0: welcome to movie culture today we have the most incredible episode of i'm queuing you in
1: the podcast
0: <laughs> of the incredible <laughs> okay josh <laughs>
1: uh, do you want to take that again
0: <laughs> hello and welcome to movie culture Today, we have the most incredible episode of...
1: The Incredibles!
0: There we go. All right.
1: The Incredibles was released in 2004 and is Pixar's sixth feature film. The movie was written and directed by Brad Bird.
0: In case it's been a minute since you've seen the movie, here's a quick synopsis. And if you have seen it recently, we'll put timestamps in the show notes so you can skip to the discussion.
1: The movie features Bob, Helen, Violet, and Dash Parr, a family of superheroes. Public sentiment has turned against the heroes as the Pars are forced to live regular, suburban lives in Metroville. Bob, formerly known as Mr. Incredible, hasn't adjusted to the quiet life well, and when a mysterious woman named Mirage offers him the opportunity to return to hero work on a remote island, he quickly agrees, although he hides the decision from his family. He's rejuvenated by his return to hero work, but is soon tricked and captured by Syndrome, a supervillain who had previously been Mr. Incredible's biggest fan. Syndrome has been killing superheroes and aims to gain fame and fortune through creating destructive robots that only he can destroy. Helen, formerly Elastigirl, learns her husband's secret, and tracks him down while their kids stow away. Together, they rescue Bob, but Syndrome's plan is already in motion. As Syndrome's robots begin to destroy Metroville, the family races back to the city, now working together to stop him. Successful, they repair the public reputation of superheroes and grow closer as a family.
0: The Incredibles.
1: <laughs> oh, so good.
0: So, what did we think?
1: Oh, I really liked it. I know this is becoming uh predictable at this point, that we just really like all these movies. And I think this is a really interesting one and has some really interesting themes that are a little difficult that I want to explore. But man, this is one of my favorites.
0: Yeah, you said from before we started that Incredibles was. Mm-hmm. One of your top.
1: This era of Pixar, I think, the Monsters Incredible, Finding Nemo, uh, Incredibles run. I just think that I think this run is up there with any other. It's such it's so great.
0: It is. And I don't think I liked it as much as you oh, did. Oh, my God. Uh, <laughs> but we'll start with what we did like.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: So do you want to go first?
1: Yeah, Sure. I feel like you can't talk about this movie without starting with the whole superheroness of it all. This movie comes out in 2004. It's it's before our current superhero boom, right? Uh, with Marvel. Yeah, the you know Iron Man comes out in something like 2008, 2009. The Dark Knight comes out in 2007. But there are a couple movies coming out around this time that are starting the ball rolling on the superhero craze. So you've got those early X-Men movies. uh, You've got the Sam Raimi Spider-Man movies. There are a few other ones that are starting up. And superhero movies are fun, but also a little goofy still. And they're transitioning from, you know, the Superman, why are you wearing your underwear outside of your clothes spandex superheroes to the ones we know now, which obviously absolutely dominate our culture. And this is at a real transitional moment. Right. One thing I really like is that Brad Bird pays homage to all of these superhero tropes and superhero trends from big stuff like the idea of, you know, saving the world to small things like Mr. Incredible stopping a train that's bearing down on him.
0: And the monologue, the villain monologue. The villain joke monologue,
1: that. yeah. The the superhero gangs, the special powers, like, there are so many things that they're commenting on. And they do that in what is not only a commentary on superhero movies, but is definitely one of those movies. And it's as exciting and action-packed as I think any other superhero movie of the past. You know, 20 years, with the only exceptions being the really, really absolute top tier ones like Black Panther and Dark Knight. But aside from that, I think this holds up with anything else, just from the superhero side.
0: I mean, I think it's really fun because they walk a really nice line between joking about the genre and kind of being a little bit tongue in cheek about it, but Mm. also taking it very seriously. and proudly being a superhero movie.
1: That's a really good way to say it. See, this is what you do. You (laughs) you take a thing that I'm like rambling about and you just, you say it in such a concise way. Teamwork. Teamwork. I think also with the superhero stuff, there are some of the issues we've seen in superhero movies across the entire genre. Struck by the level of government involvement in this movie and the way that the way that the superhero genre is so intertwined with the military-industrial complex. And we know that from Marvel, you know, Iron Man Tony Stark is a weapons manufacturer. But even in the Incredibles, you get the same, the same general tropes, right? The idea that the government is cleaning up the superhero mess, that every time Mr. Incredible does something, it's causing uh taxpayer dollars. And you know, Syndrome is also a weapons manufacturer, and the idea that these tools and powers are used for weaponry is really pervasive through the movie.
0: But at least in this movie, the weapons manufacturer is the bad guy.
1: Yeah, that's a great point.
0: Instead of Iron Man.
1: And just the last thing I'll say on this topic, the last trope that it really connects with that I found a little bit uh, difficult to deal with is how much death there is in this movie. It's not a sad movie. It's not remarked that people are dying everywhere, but people are dying everywhere. Syndrome's got mad associates and like people working for him who die in fiery explosions.
0: Yeah. And we're supposed to cheer. They're kind of just throwaway casualties.
1: This was a concern that people used to have a lot more about action movies and superhero movies, particularly that it would, you know, hashtag make the children violent or,
0: Desensitized.
1: Desensitized to violence. And this movie, I think, is desensitizing to violence because of the way that it involves all these superhero tropes that, you know, explosions are cool and not massively destructive. It's so easy to forget the people within the explosions. Yeah. So I just, I think it's really interesting. I think it's really exciting the way this movie adapts the superhero genre and it loves it and it takes great care, but also that it reflects some of the worst impulses of the genre at the same time.
0: Yeah, that's so true. And Because it came early on in the superhero wave, they're not really at the point of critiquing or maybe reflecting on some of those tropes in the way that Marvel has tried to do in some of their Mm. movies.
1: Yeah, and you can think of more recent movies like uh, Shazam which came out a few years ago.
0: Love Shazam.
1: There are a few others, but movies like that have really tried to put a mirror up against the superhero genre. Whereas The Incredibles is more of a witty commentary and clearly, you know, a part of the Zeitgeist that superheroes are now back, back in style.
0: Yeah, I will say that I love that you slipped in a little critique into the like section. <laughs> it's a good move.
1: <laughs> you know, I think it makes sense to talk about these things holistically in, in detail. So I like the superhero stuff. I thought it was what made the movie really fun, but also it's not perfect. Yeah. What about you? Give me some stuff you liked.
0: Stuff I liked. Um, Edna, gotta shout out Edna.
1: Edna Mud.
0: <laughs> oh, that was that was one of your best ones. That was good.
1: I just keep getting better.
0: <laughs> um, Edna. Is Canon Hoppe, So I love that. She is half German, half Japanese. Uh, and she's a very fun character. I felt like every time we were with Edna, I just kind of sat up a little bit because her scenes are so fun. She's a larger-than-life character.
1: Even though she's so small. Yes. <laughs> you really set me up there. I did.
0: I was I was waiting for it.
1: And that's something the best side characters do is they steal the screen when they're on it.
0: Yeah. So Love, Edna. Love, Elastigirl.
1: She's so good. Clearly Shouts to best. Holly Hunter.
0: Yes. Great voice acting. All, all the voice actors are great, as is typical with Pixar, mm-hmm. but especially Holly Hunter. It really did feel like Elastigirl just consistently is the best superhero.
1: Yeah, she's really good.
0: And she's smart. She has quick thinking. She's, she's just, she's better than Mr. Incredible.
1: She's really creative in her powers, which I really appreciate. Mr. Incredible is strong and fast, and he uses that to punch things really hard and throw things really far. And Elastigirl being able to, you know, stretch so she can punch someone from far away. Great. But also that she can contort herself into a parachute on multiple occasions, a boat, (laughs) which honestly is the best thing I've ever seen. Mom as boat energy is like chef's kiss.
0: Truly. We stand girl. Also the kids. I love the kids. I was very impressed by how there was a lot of bickering between the two siblings. Mm-hmm. And yet, I didn't find that exhausting because usually mm-hmm. I can't stand watching bickering. And I felt that way with the parents, which we'll get to. Mm-hmm. But when the kids do it, I think... They're not fighting with each other. They're not trying to tear each other down. They're just both trying to be heard at the same time. Yeah. And
1: it's very relatable.
0: It it is. It's is that kind of chaotic relatable feeling.
1: In a way, it reminds me a little bit of the family energy in Little Women that ah. it's just people trying to talk over each other with different ideas and different speeds just going at the same time. I love the kids. Especially Dash, I just think is so fun. The way he has little giggles and the way he excitedly comes into his own power, I think that's so great. I also think the kids, beyond just how fun they are to be around, their arcs are one of the biggest strengths of this film. Yeah, Both of them say pretty early exactly what they want and exactly what they're not satisfied with in their own lives.
0: Oh, we love a well-planted character arc. Tell me more.
1: Honestly, it's like almost too on the nose. But you know, for me, I appreciate that. I need I need a little bit of extra sometime. There's a point where Dash is fighting with Helen because he wants to go out for sports. He wants to show off his power and he's not allowed to. And Dash says he he bemoans in the car, You and dad are always saying, do our best. Why can't I do my best? My best is running really fast and you're not letting me do that. You're holding me back. So that's where Dash comes from. And that's what he wants is to, you know, simply to run, but more to fully understand his powers and to be as powerful, uh, to have the influence that he wants to. That's where he starts the movie, and through the movie, he gains influence. He doesn't have to be told twice to use his power, but when he's unleashed, he doesn't quite know how to use it at first. He's a little chaotic with it, and he learns to really focus it to have an amazing chase sequence where he fights off bad guys, and then he comes back around. He saves his sister with that. He's with the whole family in that. He has a vital role in the final team fight scene versus the robot, and his arc starts in this place of wanting to do his thing, and then he gets to do the thing, and you see how much he appreciates that growth.
0: Yeah. And then Violet.
1: Violet has a different arc, but she says it the same way. At some point, Helen says to her, let's just be normal, can't we? Uh, Or you're, you're not normal or something like that. And Violet says, I want to be normal. That's what I want to be. I don't want to be in this freak show family and have to hide everything. And like, I just want to go to high school and have some friends and have a little crush on a boy and just kind of be normal. And she can't do that because she's so frightened of her power. And over the course of the movie, she gets more comfortable with it, she understands what she can do, and as her power grows and as she learns to control it, she gets the confidence to know that she can exist in the world comfortably and normally and not have to worry about all the craziness around her. She can embrace it.
0: Yeah, and she can embrace herself. Yeah. Violet's arc was definitely my favorite. I thought that that was very well done and relatable. And Dash's arc I also liked. I like that he is asking for an outlet for his energy Mm -hmm. and he, he does get it at the end and that his parents trust him in the end to be able to express his energy in an appropriate way. Because mm-hmm. the reason that they are worried in the beginning about him being in sports is that they're worried that he won't be able to control himself and he'll just run mm-hmm. so much faster than everyone else. He's and a little bit of a them. show off. Yeah. But yeah. in the end, he proves that he can, you know, contain his energy as mm-hmm. much as he needs to.
1: Yeah. Close second
2: place.
0: Yes. I did feel a little bit like in the. Beginning of the movie when Dash is called into the principal's office mm-hmm. because he's putting tags on his teacher's chair. <laughs> um, I did feel like that was clearly a cry for help, and was very frustrated with Mister Incredible mm-hmm. for not acknowledging that. To me, Dash putting thumb tags on his teacher's chair is about more than him wanting to run around. Yeah. And it seemed like both his parents, but especially his dad, was really like, oh, this is just because you want to run. Mm -hmm. When clearly it seems like there's more going on there.
1: We've talked about the kids and we've talked about Elastigirl. And I think we should talk about Bob, about Mr. Incredible Uh, a little bit.
0: Okay. (laughs) Because
1: we'll talk more about uh, the infidelity, I think, in our critique section but aside from that and i do mean separate than that he's a bad dad
0: yeah in a way that i didn't really register when i was watching as a kid but mm. he is totally absent really yeah emotionally and often around
1: there are a few different times where you know one of his kids or his wife is trying to have a conversation with him and he's just not even pretending to listen
0: Right. He says that he wants to miss Dash's fourth grade graduation because it doesn't matter and it's mm-hmm. just a celebration of mediocrity. And it's like, dude, go to your kid's graduation. Yeah. Maybe this is why he's acting out because you're not paying attention to him.
1: Yeah, seriously. You have a commentary on like 50s family life.
0: I mean, I think that it's generous to say that it ended in the 50s. I think that it's Still pretty common now to have these kind of gendered dynamics with mom and dad and this idea of the mom who has to do everything around the house and handle the parenting and mm-hmm. the cleaning and keep everything together and the dad who's going to work but is unfulfilled. He can't talk to his wife. Mm-hmm. Can't really tell her how he's feeling. Doesn't blah. care
1: about his kids. Yeah. It's not a good family dynamic.
0: Also uh robert Mm. slash mr incredible it's it's an interesting um there's some interesting threads of his violence and rage
1: Mm -hmm. it's played for jokes because he is so strong that when he you know closes the car door a little hard it dents the car but there's a lot of him you know doing things a little too hard
0: yeah and it kind of feels uncomfortable especially i think that the the most egregious one is when he picks up his boss by the throat and throws him through multiple rooms yeah. and almost kills the guy. I mean, he ends up in the hospital in a full body cast mm-hmm. and it's just like, haha, well, this guy wasn't good anyway. Yeah. And yeah, he seemed like a pretty bad person. He was exploiting people. It was not good. Yeah. But it was very jarring to see how violent Mr. Incredible was to him, especially when we're talking about heroes and villains and
1: Mm -hmm.
0: who really is the villain. That was notable to me.
1: To be clear, the position of this podcast is that if you run an insurance company for the sole purpose of profiting off of the people who need your help, you're a bad guy. We're not fans of Bob's (laughs) boss. That doesn't mean that Bob had the right to strangle him.
0: It seems like pretty basic morality.
1: I know, but like, (laughs) it feels like you got to say it
0: for the record sometimes. For the record.
1: (laughs) I think we were going to save this for the critique section, but I want to switch up the order a little bit because we're already talking about Bob. We're already talking about the family. I think we should talk about the affair.
0: Right. The affair. So- Okay, question: When you saw this, mm-hmm. when it first came out, we were young. Uh, did you? How much did you read into it?
1: You know, I I don't exactly remember, to be honest. My feeling is not a lot. I think I understood him being tempted and him being tempted by another woman, and I knew that that was icky. I didn't understand how explicit it was and how much of the movie is about Bob pursuing an affair.
0: Okay, wait. So I think we need to back up because Mm -hmm. when you say affair, I think that you're saying it somewhat metaphorically, but I feel like you're talking much more literally. So, I mean, do you think that he was having an affair? Oh,
1: honestly, yes. Yes.
0: Wow! I wow. I had to think about
1: it for a sec.
0: You think Mr. Incredible was actually cheating on Mrs. Incredible? Yeah, I
1: think. Yeah, I'm just gonna say it. I think Mr. Incredible f- Mirage. Oh my god! <laughs> the thing is, I think there's too much smoke for there not to be fire. Okay. To be so clear. Wait, let's
0: let's talk about this. Let's just okay. put it into context. Yeah. So first, a uh, affair esque thing mm-hmm. is that. Mr. Incredible, Robert, and Frozone are going out for bowling night once a week. Mm -hmm. But they're lying to their wives and they are actually doing superhero stuff.
1: Yeah. At one point, Frozone says, wouldn't it be nice if one time we actually did what our wives thought we were
2: doing?
0: Ha ha ha. Right. (laughs) So from this secret excursion, Mm -hmm. this woman named Mirage finds them.
1: She's tracking Frozone, but ends up finding Mr. Incredible
0: instead. She offers Mr. Incredible a mission Mm -hmm. to save them from some robot thing. Mm -hmm. He accepts and keeps this totally secret from his wife because he knows that she does not want him participating in superhero business.
1: Including the first scene where Mr. Incredible is approached, where... Elastigirl hears a woman's voice on the other side of the door and Bob saying it's nothing and denies it and, you know, just like immediate not being honest or open with his wife who understands what's happening pretty quickly.
0: He lies to her and says it's a business conference, but actually he's going to see this Mirage woman so he can do this mission.
1: And there, I think, is where it starts to change from look how much him pretending that he's not doing superhero stuff turns into he might actually be seeing another woman the fake business trip the starting to work out a lot the increased romance with his wife
0: and he suddenly becomes a good father once he's mm-hmm. once he's seeing this other woman mm-hmm. and and going behind his wife's back with this secret job Mm -hmm. All of a sudden, now he's the dad that he never was. Yeah. I hated that. (laughs) Yeah. And then Elastigirl eventually finds out that something's been going on because she finds a hair on Mr. Incredible's super suit.
1: I think she finds a hair on his regular suit. Really? Yeah. To me, it being on his regular suit is one of the reasons I think this may not be a metaphorical affair and may cross over into literal.
0: And then at one point they're having dinner together and she in a very seductive voice Mm -hmm. tells him that she's attracted to power Mm -hmm. and, you know, asks him how he's feeling, if this feels different to him. And that to me was just the most explicit scene.
2: Yeah. I was just wondering. Of all the places to settle down, why live... With a volcano, he's attracted to power. So am I. It's a weakness we share. Seems a bit unstable. I prefer to think of it as misunderstood. (laughs) Aren't we all? Volcanic soil is among the most fertile on Earth. Everything at the table was grown right here. How does it compare? Everything's delicious.
1: I think there's an interesting thing here where... Clearly, the movie is trying to play on this trope of an affair and understand, you know, Bob is tempted. And even with a generous view of this relationship, Bob is tempted to his own power and to his return to being a superhero. And he wants to keep that a secret, not explicitly from his wife, but from the world because he's not allowed to do that. No,
0: explicitly from his wife.
1: And also explicitly from his wife. I think there's a generous reading where that's the case. And we as the audience notice some parallels between hiding being a superhero and hiding in a fair. And some of those things can be, you know, going to a conference and some of them can be, you know, getting into better shape. But the movie doesn't stop at those could be seen in both ways. The way that that Mr. Incredible and Mirage have so much tension is unnecessary.
0: It's totally uncomfortable. I also didn't like that the movie kind of made it feel like it was Mrs. Incredible's fault that Whoa.
1: Why do you think that?
0: Well, it's not it's not explicitly blaming her, but Edna tells her to go to her husband mm-hmm. and remind her husband that she knows that he is incredible and to also remind him who how incredible she is Mm -hmm. and there's that whole affair trope of that they got into a rut and that he needed to feel special which the movie talks about a lot Mm -hmm. and she wasn't making him feel special
2: I let this happen you know (laughs) The new sports car, the getting in shape, the blonde hair, the light. Yes, he attempts to relive the past. Now I'm losing him. <laughs> what do I do? What do I do? What are you talking
0: about? Hmm? You are Elastigirl! My God! Pull yourself together! What will you do? Is is, is this a question? You will show him you remember that he is Mr. Incredible, and you will remind him who you are. Well, you know where he is. Go! Confront the problem! Fight! Win! Also, so when she... When Elastigirl thinks that it's an actual affair, which Mm -hmm. I think the movie is saying that it's not, even though your reading is that it is.
1: What... What do you mean that the movie's saying it's not?
0: The movie's saying that there was no actual physical, physical contact. Affair.
1: Okay, but the movie is saying that Bob was seduced by another woman to go to a different place and do things that he wouldn't normally do because of her.
0: Well, okay. So once Alaska Girl figures out that there is another woman at all. Yeah. I turned to you and I was like, the movie's going to excuse this because it's just going to be a misunderstanding. And that is what happened. I think that the movie thinks that they put in that sexy woman mm-hmm. as a red herring for mm-hmm. Elastigirl, that she's there just for plot reasons so that Elastigirl thinks that there is an affair happening and then goes to this secret island and then figures out that everything's fine. Mm-hmm. Because when Elastigirl does get there, she sees Mr. Incredible and Mirage hugging Mm -hmm. and she's very angry at Mr. Incredible and he literally physically drags her to him, even Mm -hmm. though she is mad at him and does not want to talk to him. Mm
2: -hmm.
0: And she's angry and trying to express her anger at all the ways that he betrayed her. And he kisses her, although she does not want to be kissed. And he says, how could I betray the perfect woman? And yeah. then it's just played off like, see, it's fine. And then, and then, you know, the next scene, she's saying that she's angry that he lied, but that she loves him. And then they kiss and they say multiple times that they love each other and they're happy again. Everything's fine.
1: Yeah, I mean, I agree with you. Even if there's not a literal affair, he's broken her trust in so many ways.
0: He totally betrayed her. Yeah. And it's so disappointing that the movie thinks that, oh, if there was not a physical affair with another Mm -hmm. woman, then all this lying and deceit was totally fine. And then at and then at the end, Robert slash Mr. Incredible's problem throughout the whole movie is that he wants to do everything alone. At mm-hmm. least that's what the movie presents as his problem. Mm-hmm. That is what triggers this uh syndrome fan character to go off and become a supervillain because Mr. Incredible mm-hmm. won't let syndrome work with him. Yeah. And later he's doing everything alone. He's not talking to his wife about this secret superhero mission. And at the very end of the movie, this big climactic scene, he tells Elastigirl to wait in the car and he's going to go off and do this alone. And she chases after him and says, she wants to be involved. She's his wife. They're supposed to be a team. And he says, I'm not strong enough. I have to be alone because I can't lose you again. Mm -hmm. And that is this moment of, oh, he loves his family so much. He's afraid of losing them. That's what's been holding him back. But That's not what's been holding him back.
1: Also, that doesn't really make sense. That's not what he's meant the rest of the time. Exactly. When they talk about strength or weakness.
0: Exactly. And yes, he almost lost her when Syndrome tried to gun down the plane. Mm -hmm. But before that, he was lying to her and not letting people help him. So clearly, this problem of his is not stemming from fear of losing his family. It's stemming from ego. Yeah. And the movie doesn't ever address that, so it doesn't feel like he has an arc. And even in the beginning of the movie, when we see the scene of them getting married, Elastigirl tells him, for this to work, you have to be more than Mr. Incredible. And he Mm -hmm. says, yes, I know I will. But he's not. No. In the end, all their problems are solved because he just goes back to being Mr. Incredible.
1: Yeah, I think there's so much on the outside of this movie around the edges, all the other characters, all of the action, the world, all of it that is so fun and exciting. And the central relationship being such a bad one Mm -hmm. really holds the movie back. One thing that I think helps in my mind is that the movie clearly knows it's a bad relationship. It, it never says this is the way things should be, right? His indiscretions and his betrayal are never viewed as being okay, right. even if they are just misunderstandings at some points. But their relationship is not portrayed as being a good one through most of the movie. Mm-hmm. But we get to the end and we get to the happy ending without anything really changing. He understands that he needs his family and he can work with his family. And when we get to theme, we can talk about this a little more, but he doesn't fundamentally change.
0: Right. And I think that maybe looking at Mr. Incredible's character arc kind of highlights some of the hesitation I have with Dash Mm. because with Violet, we see both her growth in her power and that part of her life, mm-hmm. but also how that informs her the rest of her life and her growth as a person. She becomes more confident with her friends, with the boy that she likes. She's just more confident in school. And that is just human growth beyond yeah. superhero growth. Mm-hmm. But with Dash... His growth is really limited to his running, and I like that, but I also wished that there was more to him mm-hmm. because it seemed like there was, and they just weren't addressing that.
1: I think he is such a well-animated and voiced character with such great humor.
0: He's so charming too.
1: Yeah, but also, it's certainly gendered that- Yes, that Violet is expected to change in a good way, and Dash is just expected to be his best self.
0: Yes. And I just kept noticing in some of the scenes, in the way that Dash talks to Violet and Mm -hmm. disregards his mom, there is a lot of mirroring of the way that his dad treats his mom.
1: Wow, that's so deep. You're right though, yeah.
0: I mean, it's really there. And in a way that I didn't expect to see,
2: mm-hmm. but
0: at one point, Violet is in charge when they're on the island in a cave, mm-hmm. and she tells him to stay put because that's what their mom said, Violet's in charge, and Violet's trying to keep them safe.
1: And also, they're on a scary island where everyone's trying to kill them, and maybe they right, should like right. stay put.
0: And Dash is kind of like, yeah, yeah, whatever. It's fine. I'll be fine. And, yeah. and totally doesn't listen to her. And yeah. I just... <laughs> I was just kind of watching like, no, (laughs) address Dash's personal Mm -hmm. arc. And honestly, I mean, they have been watching their parents full on fight, like yell at each other. In the beginning, there's a scene where they're really mad at each other and the kids are hiding and watching. Mm
2: -hmm.
0: And they're in this family where the dad is totally disengaged and not present. And the mom is completely in over her head because she has to deal with everything. Mm -hmm. They've had to move constantly because of these superhero incidents. I mean, these kids have a lot going on. Yeah. And I, I think that they do a good job with Violet, but I wanted more personal growth and acknowledgement from the parents of Dash.
1: Yeah. I wanted them to pay more attention to Dash And by they, I'm referring both to his parents and the writers.
0: (laughs) Right. So I think that's a good transition into theme. Mm -hmm. What did you feel for the theme?
1: Well, you actually explicitly said the theme that I pulled from this movie, at least the one that the movie is trying to, to say, which is at the end of that scene you were talking about, When Mr. Incredible says, I'm not strong enough, Mrs. Incredible replies, if we work together, you won't have to be. And to me, that's the theme of the movie, shouts to Hillary Clinton, hashtag stronger together. And I think that's a really good message. You know, the movie's trying to say that because Mr. Incredible wants to do things on his own, he runs into trouble. He runs into trouble with syndrome. He doesn't keep up with anyone from the old days except for with Frozone. And then he goes off to try and fight this problem on his own and runs into trouble there. And only when everyone's working together can they defeat the enemy. To me, that's what the movie is trying to say. I think because there's so much else going on about how Bob doesn't want to be a part of his family that him coming to trust his family is so reluctant and so born of necessity. I don't know how well you really emotionally feel that, that theme coming home. Mm-hmm. But I do think that is a valuable theme. You know, I love the team up at the end. And I love the idea that, that at the end, even if it's not earned, the family does come together. And, everyone gets what they want out of it and everyone gets to be the best version of themselves through collaboration and i think i think that idea of collaboration and growth through collaboration is good enough that i'm willing to overlook some of the ways that the movie didn't quite build to it
0: yeah i mean i think that this idea also of Like you said, getting to be your best self and your real self. And even if you feel like you don't fit in or you're different, Mm -hmm. those differences are strengths. I mean, that's a nice message. I think the movie does deliver that. Uh, That's a positive. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, I think that also speaking of family, there are really explicit intentional ideas about family roles, which Mm -hmm. Brad Bird has spoken to this idea of. The father as the strength and the muscle of the family, mm-hmm. and the mother as someone who has to be flexible and have their hands on a million different things at once and- to be Super able-
1: accommodating.
0: Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, the teenage daughter as someone who feels invisible, mm-hmm. and this hyperactive young boy.
1: It's a little on the nose. It's,
0: it's very on the nose. You do get some really interesting arcs out of that, like Violet's arc. I think that Elastigirl's power and thinking about that as the mother's power, but also Mm -hmm. as the female power. I mean, her ability is about shaping her body into a way that gives her strength. Oh yeah. Which is very interesting.
1: Mm
2: -hmm.
0: I also do think it's limiting and it's, reinforcing a lot of these roles and we talked at length about the gender roles in the relationship between the parents so I'm not going to rehash that but Mm -hmm. I mean that is worth noting I think
1: oh yeah for sure Elastigirl is asked to do so much and to literally to not only in her role within the family but to literally shape herself and and contort herself to save them to be whatever anyone needs at any time and on a couple different occasions to objectify herself, you know to to literally put herself in the form of an object, whether it's pretending to be a parachute, a boat or a rope or something or a, a slingshot
0: mm-hmm.
1: you know literally becoming an object for the benefit of of those around her.
0: Yeah. Carrying them all on her back. Yeah. There is also a whole thematic line of what it means to be special.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: In the very beginning of the movie, Dash is complaining to his mom about how he can't try out for sports. And she says, You know, we're trying to keep a low profile. The world doesn't want us. We have to fit in. And he says that he just wants to be special. Mm -hmm. She tells him that everyone is special in some way and he says, which is just another way of saying that nobody's special.
1: Wow, I totally forgot that Dash is the person who says that at the beginning of the movie.
0: Right, so that idea is planted early because later in the movie, Syndrome repeats that. Yeah, verbatim. Yes, he wants to make everyone else super because then no one is super. That is a very interesting idea coming from the villain. You know, the idea that everyone is special in their own way Mm -hmm. is a good one, right? Yeah. And the idea that people can only be special based on their blood is not a good one, right? That,
1: That is the really interesting thing, is that when Syndrome is saying no one is super, yes, he's talking about the elimination of superheroes, but also he's saying no one will be better than anyone else it's a message of equality
0: right and and mr incredible says on multiple occasions that syndrome can never be super because he wasn't born super so there's mm. this really weird undercurrent of
1: blood purity
0: yeah And I don't really know what else to say besides that. What do we do with that? I know. I know because we both really like the movie and it's just really a strange thematic line.
1: This ties back to what we were talking about at the very beginning of the movie about the superhero genre generally. The superhero genre, not in movies, but in comic books, is started. Or really popularized in the late 30s, early 1940s in America by specifically Jewish comic book writers who were not able, for whatever reason, to serve in the army, but still wanted to contribute to the cause. This is how we get things like Captain America punching Hitler. A lot of these superheroes come from that place come from an explicitly Jewish background. Some of the most popular superheroes and also some of the most popular supervillains come from this same understanding of, you know, what does it mean to be special? And I'm thinking specifically of the X-Men, which has been used to talk about lots of different types of oppression and feeling like you're different in some way especially about homosexuality and being gay. You know, people want to convert the X-Men. They're called mutants. Their parents shun them. They're sent away. And there's this question of like, what does it really mean for them to be special? That feels like not a good thing. I think, by the way, that's one of the reasons why X-Men was one of the movies to really start off the superhero wave in the early 20th century because of the explicit ties to the political moment, and you know, the repealing of Don't Ask, Don't Tell, and the passage of gay marriage. I think we have to think about because the most popular movies and politics are both tied into culture in the same way. It's not overstating anything to say that these movies have a serious influence on culture and that culture has a serious influence on what kind of movies are being made and what gets popular. Yeah. But a lot of the movies in the superhero trope are talking about what it means to be special and mostly that it's good to be special. But I suppose that's a difficult thing because superheroes come from a place of the thing that makes you special is also a thing that makes you oppressed and powerless. But you need to hold on to that because really that's what makes you powerful. Mm -hmm. And there's, it's good to be special. It's good to be different. But The Incredibles takes a little bit of a different take on being special. Because instead of saying, it's good to be special, even though people don't like it, because that's how you can contribute good, it's kind of saying, it's good to be special because this makes you better.
0: Right. I mean, I think that thinking about Captain America and the X-Men is really interesting. Because the X-Men have the same, they were born different Mm -hmm. as the Incredibles. But in that allegory, it is like you're saying, it's something that makes them marginalized and oppressed. Mm
2: -hmm.
0: And Captain America is someone who wasn't born super. Mm
2: -hmm.
0: He's someone who became super later because of his specific personality traits
1: and specifically because he understood what it was to be powerless so when he had power he would fight for the powerless so there that's I, why he's given the super serum
0: yeah so there are either these narratives of being marginalized and like you're saying how being different mm-hmm. gives them strength or these ideas of you can be powerful no matter who you are mm-hmm. But yeah, The Incredibles is not bad.
1: Yeah. For what it's worth, Syndrome is bad. Syndrome's a bad guy. And he's not a bad guy in the same way that uh, Magneto in some of the X-Men movies or Erik Killmonger in the Black Panther movies is a bad guy, which is they have legitimately good intentions, but go about it in a bad way.
0: Yeah, Syndrome just wants to kill superheroes, so he's the most super yeah so he has no competition
1: he's a legit bad guy
0: yes yes it's just that his his argument that he's making
2: mm-hmm.
0: makes sense <laughs> the argument that they were born super and too bad for everybody else but they're better is very uncomfortable yeah
1: that's that's obviously a really bad idea
0: yeah and I i don't I don't know what to do with that, but I mean, that's the argument that the Incredibles make multiple times.
1: Mm -hmm. I think it's easy to say this is limited to the Incredibles, but I actually think this is indicative of a much larger issue that has plagued American blockbusters over the past 40
0: years. Oh, I'm excited for this.
1: At some point, movies followed classic David versus Goliath tropes. And we love those stories, right? Hashtag since King David.
0: Hashtag since King David. (laughs) Make that trend. Yeah.
1: Guys, thanks for listening. Make hashtag since King David trend. We love David and Goliath stories. And you think about the stories we tell ourselves, even the story of America, of, you know, Scrappy, like just like my country, young, hungry, and.
0: Young, scrappy, and hungry.
1: Yeah, young, scrappy, and hungry, whatever the Hamilton, against, you know, the great British Empire. And then, you know, my favorite example of this is the 1980 Winter Olympics miracle on ice, where the American college kids fight off like the great Soviet Empire. You know, Rocky, the everyman who beats the like the world champion. Superhero movies follow in the same vein. Captain America, the one good soldier who takes down the Nazis, the whole army. At some point in America's move to being the last superpower, maybe around the fall of the USSR, we stopped liking stories about underdogs. And we started liking stories about powerful figures who use that power for good, but are never really at risk. And if you think a lot about, again, the superhero movies we watch, you'll notice a power imbalance where the good guys are more powerful in basically every movie. You think about the first Avengers movie, for example, where you've got Loki as the main bad guy and he like opens a holes of the sky and they're aliens and all that stuff. It's easy to forget that like Loki is the, if he was an Avenger, he'd be like the fifth strongest Avenger.
0: That might be generous.
1: I don't know. I'm taking Loki over Hawkeye, but like it's just Loki and you can list off the teams and it's just all these superheroes against this one guy that is recurring in Superhero movies. I think it's one of the reasons that uh, the Batman movies have been so popular in this most recent generation of superhero movies because Batman fights like one crazy guy at a time who's under resourced and he has the most resources. But the loner crazy guy is bad and well resourced Batman, America, is good. And I think The Incredibles reflects that, that it's a family of superheroes against one guy who's trying to do bad things but has less power. So I think not only should we think about The Incredibles as a movie that is maybe preaching this pretty poor message about equality being bad.
0: Yeah. I don't think this is something they really thought through.
1: No. But it reflects a broader movement in blockbusters about rooting for, you know, Goliath.
0: Yeah, because we can't pretend we're the underdogs anymore.
1: Yeah. Well, we can't pretend that we're the underdogs, but we can pretend that we're the
0: underminer.
1: Everything is under you,
0: but nothing is under me. Why did you memorize that line?
1: (laughs) It is just stuck in my head. And also, I love the way- This is the
0: very end of the movie for context.
1: It's a stinger. It sets up a Mm -hmm. sequel. It's just another way that it plays off the superhero genre. And the best part about it is that even though they do make a a sequel way in the future, The Underminer is not a part of it. Love it. And they don't do anything with the stinger. Uh, Incredibles has a sequel. So do we. We'll be back next time with
0: cars. Josh, are you so excited for cars? Oh, we will see.
1: Okay. So we had a lot of thoughts on the Incredibles. Love to hear your thoughts. Subscribe wherever you listen to your
2: podcasts.
0: Oh, you did the outro. It's good. It's good. All right. Thanks for listening.
2: Behold the Underminer! I am always beneath you, but nothing is beneath me!